Good morning. Good morning. I want to welcome you back into West Irwin, or if this is your first time ever being with us, uh, just welcome to West Irwin. Uh, we're so glad to have you with us. Uh, what an awesome week, right? You got rain and cooler weather, and it has just been awesome to get a little bit of a break. Uh, we're thankful for the sunshine, but man, this cooler weather has been great. So going into a little bit of announcements, uh, tonight... We are going to have uh, Bill's class and a singing class will be over in the office building. That's going to be tonight at 5 o'clock. So Bill's class, singing class at 5 o'clock over in the office building. Also for youth families, uh, we're going to head out to Wade and Diane Weathers' house, have a little pool party and some pizza and just a lot of, a lot of fun together. And so that's youth group and families. That'll start at 5 o'clock. And um, I don't think there's anything else I need to say with that. But 5 o'clock out at the Weathers' house. So... We really, really hope that you'll join us for that. Um, This Wednesday, Bill is going to close us out. This is going to be our last Wednesday of the summer series. So Bill is going to close us out talking about Jesus. It's going to be really, really good. And then after this Wednesday, we'll move back into our normal, uh, regular Wednesday night class schedule, the rotation with the quarters and stuff. Um, Also, the marriage seminar. I talked about this last week, but the marriage seminar we have coming up That is September 24th, 25th. Like I said last week, it's free, but I forgot to mention something. Not only is it free, there's also childcare and lunch. And that is completely free, too. So if you're worried about the kiddos, come. Come bring them. We're going to have stuff over in the the children's wing. We'll have stuff in the lighthouse, and they'll be taken care of. So don't let that keep you from coming. Also, if you're afraid you might not be able to stay the whole time, that's okay. Still, we want for you to come. We'd rather you be here than not come at all, even if you're not able to stay the whole time. And so we just really hope that you'll come. Uh, These were back out this morning, the little pamphlet. You'll see the QR code right here. You scan this with your phone. It takes you straight to the website, and we need for you to register. Um, So go ahead, go there, register, so that we can just get a head count of how many to expect. Um, Another thing, as you walked in, you might have noticed out in the foyer, there were some really awesome canvas Uh, photographs out there that Donnie Cook has made for us. Uh, I believe they're all from VBS, so if you didn't see them coming in, check them out going out there. And with that, if you have any photos that would be good, any kind of uh, events that we've had here or photos of the the youth, anything like that, go ahead and send them to Donnie. Call the church office, get her number, send them to one of our uh, staff members, something, and uh, let's let's, let's get those printed out. Those will be good. Um. I want to remind you, fill out a card. I forgot to mention this last week. So for our attendance cards, you want to go ahead and fill one of those out. Uh, We'll we'll get that passed into the middle aisle, and we'll be good to go. All righty. I think that's all I have. So I'm going to ask you again, will you stand, and let's have a scripture reading, and then I'll pass it off uh, for the worship service to begin. Psalm 118, starting in verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Good morning. Are you ready to sing? I know I am. I'm ready to glorify God through through song each and every day, honestly. So here we go. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before His throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God. Shout out. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day that we can come and worship you, that we can join together. We're grateful for our members and the visitors that are here and for those who are joining us online so that we can praise your name. And Father, we pray for this church. We pray for the elders and the deacons and the staff and the volunteers. And Father, we pray for those on our prayer list, those those who have suffered loss, those who are ill, those who have upcoming surgeries. And there are those on the list that are specifically mentioned, but there are also those who are not on that list that also need prayers. And Father, we, we pray that, that for those who are suffering, that the pain will be removed. For those who have suffered loss, that they should not be discouraged. And for the caregivers and those looking over, taking care of the folks that are sick. We pray for patience and for the feeling to not be overwhelmed. And Father, we pray in all cases that we pray for the Holy Spirit to comfort, guide, and intercede on our behalf. And Father, we pray that when, when times get tough and we have anxiousness and we feel the trials and tribulations, that we truly turn this over to you and trust that you will take care of us. Father, we pray for our elected leaders, and we pray for this world, our national, state, and local leaders. And Father, this is the greatest country that, that has ever been seen, and a country founded on Christian principles. And, and Father, but there are those who want to see that undone, undone, and we pray for the unrest in the world. And we pray for those leaders that, that would take issues for the express intent to create unrest and division among us for their own political gain. Father, we pray that you will soften their hearts and that they will turn to you. 
And Father, we pray for the growth of this church, this church that's an anchor in, in downtown Tyler. And we pray for those who are here and, and the leaders that as we move forward that we do grow. Father, we pray to spread the word. Father, we pray to be mindful that you always love us, that you never forsake us, that you always do what's best for us. And Father, we offer this prayer because truly you are great and worthy of our praise. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. start by asking you a question. I hope, well, I guess I'll make a statement, <laughs> but I hope that you think often about what your purpose in life is. I think that as we live uh, at different ages in our lives, our purpose change in some respect, but certainly in the respect where we uh, think about our Lord and about God and what he's done for us. Our purpose doesn't change there. But I want to talk a minute about Christ, about Jesus, and the purposes for which he came into the world. He had a mission when he came into the world, and part of his mission was to help us to be ready to die. Matthew 24 says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Part of his mission was to help us to get ready to die. Another part of his mission was to give us assurance of life after death. John 11 says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So we have the promise of living even after we die. He gave us eternal life through his death on the cross and by his resurrection. And finally, his mission was to give us assurance that heaven could be our home. John 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And so his mission was to give us assurance that heaven could be our home. Jesus came into the world to fulfill a mission. He had three years to accomplish that mission. He had three years to train 12 men, three years to impact the whole world. And at the end of that time, he was crucified and he rose from the dead. He is risen Jesus' mission was accomplished. He is the Son of God, he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Was his mission a success? 
2,000 years have passed since he lived, and we know that his mission was a success. We are saved today because his mission was a success. In the 2,000 years since his death, our lives have been impacted because in that time, thousands and thousands, even millions of people have lived and died, and they've passed the word down to us. This has made it possible for us to know about Christ because for 2,000 years, people have passed along his word, and so we have it today. Every week, we gather around this table to remember his life, his death, and his resurrection. We celebrate the purposes for which he came into the world to help us be ready to die, to give us hope of life after death, and to give us assurance that heaven can be our home. He has achieved everything that his father sent him to do. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you love the world that you gave your only son for us. Thank you that he was willing to come into the world and fulfill the purposes for which he, uh, he came, that his mission was accomplished. And because of that, that we have the hope and uh, the assurance of life after death, of living in heaven with you. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to do that. Forgive our sins so that we can be holy and live with you. We thank you for that sacrifice that he made. And so today we remember and celebrate his life and his death and resurrection. Help us as we partake of this uh, bread to remember his broken body on the cross given for us. In his holy name we pray. Amen. Father, we come again in your presence to thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Help us, Father, to appreciate that and live in such a way that we can show our appreciation every day for the sacrifice that was made and the promises that he's given us and the mission that he has accomplished to give us a home in heaven. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.
Father, we offer our gratitude and, and thanks to you for all of the blessings that you give to us. You bless us with not only spiritual gifts, but with uh, gifts of this life that, we, that make our lives easy and make our lives uh, happy, and we thank you for that. We pray, Father, that we'll always use the gifts you've given us in a wise way, that we can be uh, generous with those things and not have a stingy heart. Help us as we give back to you today to do it in a, in a loving and, and uh, so grateful manner. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's sing thank you, Lord, while our kids come up for kids' time today. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Okay, I have a question for you. Who here has their Christmas list already written out? You do? Okay, we have a couple that, are, that, that do. Uh, now, how many of you know what you want for Christmas? Oh, yeah, there, now we're talking. Okay, what do you want for Christmas? You want a go-kart. Oh, boy. And it begins. What do you want? PlayStation 4. That sounds wonderful. How about you? A what? A GoPro? Am I saying? GoPro. Okay, I didn't hear the R. GoPro. I'm still an amateur, so good for you. GoPro. How about you? A what? A, a VR headset. That's virtual reality, right? I do know that one. Yes, ma'am. What do you want for Christmas? What is it? A what? A bouncy house. Wow. Your house just became the funnest house on the block. That's great. How about you? A monster truck that fits you. Thank you for adding that last part on there. That is so helpful. And you want a unicorn. Yeah, good luck finding that one. That'll be great. You want a golf cart. Okay, let's get the cart before the clubs. Is that some saying or something? But that, that sounds wonderful. Well, you know, we all have th things that we want, don't we? And that's always nice to do. That's always nice to want something and to uh, have something that you want and to write out your Christmas list. Now, here's what the problem is. Sometimes we want something so bad that we might do something that's not God's will in order to get it. Or if we don't get what we want, we get really mad. Maybe we get really mad at Santa Claus. Maybe we get really mad at our parents or our grandparents. Maybe we get really mad at one of our brothers or sisters. Some... And a bunny rabbit. Okay, now I did this on purpose so that you parents and grandparents will be hearing about these kids' Christmas lists every day for the next four full months. So that'll be fun. Um, but sometimes we do things that are not good because we want something so badly. We're going to be talking in our sermon time today about that very thing, about how it's okay to want something. That's okay. That's, that's fine. That's great. But what we want more than anything else is for Jesus to love us and to be happy with us. And we can do that. And when we do that, we're going to have everything that we need, even if we don't get all the things that we want. And when we get those great blessings from God, you know what the right thing to say to him is? You're giving a screaming what? A screaming llama. Not just any old llama, but a screaming llama. One more. 
Do I want to hear a joke? <laughs> you know, I want to hear a joke right now. What is it? How are the alphabet and the post office alike? I don't know. How are they? They both have letters, of course. Wow, that is a great, great joke. And you know, one of the things we want is for our letters, whether in the alphabet or the post office, to be delivered well, right? Well, I want us to go back to our seats, but let's go back telling Jesus thank you for all the things that he gives us. One more time, okay? You can go to Blast or you can go back to your pew. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Bill, Bill you're a great man. Go ahead and say the Well, while our kids are going to, to blast, and please everyone make sure you pass your cards inside so we have some young men come around and pick those up. And if you would, if it's convenient, please be standing for our next stop. Bless the Lord, my soul, my soul, worship His Was Mick Jagger right? I know what you're probably thinking. 
No, Bill. Whatever the rest of the question is, he was not right. Okay, I understand that. I appreciate that, the lead singer of the Rolling Stones. Um, But let's ask the rest of the question. Was Mick Jagger right? You can't always get what you want. Was Mick Jagger right about that? You can't always get what you want. But what's the rest of that? If you try sometimes, you just might find what? You get what you need. You get what you need. That song played an important role in the movie The Big Chill from several years ago as well. This morning's lesson is the last of the series on the Ten Commandments. I've called it the Ten Questions. And we've looked all through those commandments and we've put them in a 21st century context and broadened them out a little bit. And today is the last one of those. And this statement um, from Mick Jagger and Keith Richards is one that is specifically talking about This last of the Ten Commandments. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometime, you just might find. You get what you need. I think the question that this message and this last of the Ten Commandments asks today is, is that enough? Is that enough for us? Commandment number 10 is this, be content. Be content. Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This last of the Ten Commandments is somewhat similar to commandment number 8 which was the one that said, don't steal, but rather instead of stealing, give. Be willing to share what you have rather than taking something that belongs to someone else. This one is somewhat similar, be content. Our shepherd Grant Knight in his in the shepherd's prayer a little bit earlier praised God because God always gives us what we need. He always provides for us the things that we need. And the way he put it is, God always provides what's best for us. What I have found through the years is that God and I don't always agree on what's best for Bill. Just like these kids up here, they may not agree with their parents on what, and with Santa, on what should be on their Christmas list that gets checked off. You always do what's best for us. Be content. Are we going to be okay if we don't get everything we want? And even more so, are we going to be okay if we don't get some of the things that we especially want? You know, it could be that the opposite of being covetous, which this commandment, of course, in the negative condemns, it could be that the opposite of being covetous is being content. The specific commandment says, you shall not covet. And so let's talk about that for just a few moments this morning. First of all, what does it mean to covet? That's not a word we use a lot, I think. What does it mean to covet. The dictionary definition is to yearn to possess or have something, to want, to desire, to lust. And I think that last term especially helps us to recognize and to understand the sinful part of this. Because it's okay to desire something, it's okay to want something, it's okay to even work to attain it or achieve it or possess it. But coveting takes over when lust takes over. And so as we think about the difference between a want and a goal, for example, versus coveting or lust, 
that helps us to understand that. Having goals is a good thing. Working hard to achieve or to attain those goals is a good thing. Desiring something, wanting something, planning for it, working towards it, all of that is good. All of that is good. But when that desire turns into lust and turns into covetousness, then we have crossed that line and have put something else in the place of God. We are now coveting. To covet is to want something so badly, I think, that you are willing to give up your values, to stop being who you are as a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ in order to get it. How do I know, Bill, if I'm just wanting something or working towards something and not coveting? Well, the question is, are you giving up your values in order to attain that? Are you acting in ways that are not consistent with God's Word? Are you acting in ways or doing things that actually contradict the person God wants you to be, the teaching in the Word of God that He has given us? When I say I'm willing to go past those things, even contradict those things, disobey those things in order to get this thing that I desire. When we get there, then we are guilty of coveting. But let's put it a different way. It's not just that we're willing to give up our values in order to get that. Are we willing to give those values up if we don't get it? How do I respond when the answer from God is no? How do I respond when this thing I want is not given to me? When this position I want goes to someone else? When this relationship I want ends or doesn't happen at all? How do I respond? I think how we respond is a good indication of whether we are guilty of coveting or, or not. A strong desire, a strong want, that's, that's not coveting. That's something natural that we all experience from time to time. But what if that thing that we strongly desire and want and even pray for doesn't ever happen for us? How do we react And if we check our Christian values and biblical teaching at the door because we say, it's okay for me to react this way because that happened, then what we were doing was we were coveting something. Because we can't always get what we want. But if we're followers of Jesus Christ, what we will find is we will get what we need. And again, the question is, will we be okay with that? Will we trust God enough that we'll continue to follow Him even if He doesn't act the way we want Him to act? And this is, of course, not just material things. Coveting takes greed, jealousy, even envy to a whole new level. And that can happen over physical things, material things, like things that we want for Christmas, or things that we want in our life, or things that we want for our family. Those are all things that could go this way. But it's not just material things. It can be physical characteristics. Lord, I want to be able to do this or that or do those things better to have these things. I I want certain gifts. I want certain talents. I want certain abilities. And I've worked hard to attain them. And if that never happens, even still, in spite of our efforts... How do we respond? How do we react? It can be mental or emotional qualities, capabilities, job positions, 
positions in the community, places of leadership even in the church. It can be spiritual things, spirituality, spiritual strength, even spiritual gifts. Paul talks a lot about that, as you know, to the church at Corinth. Throughout 1 Corinthians, but perhaps especially in chapter 12, when he says we're one body but many members, and every member has different gifts, and one member shouldn't say I'm not a part of the body because I don't have that gift, and I want it. I want to be able to lead singing like Kelly or Rusty or the others. I want to be able to stand in front of the congregation. I want to be able to serve in this particular way. And we can want that, and that's a good thing, and we can work to get there, and that's an even better thing. But trusting in God, in the words of 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts we have are from the Lord, and the Lord has placed each member in His body the way He wants them to be. Are we okay with that? What's the difference between an innocent desire to have something and wanting something so badly that it turns into sinful, unhealthy coveting? A few examples. First of all, Joshua chapter 7 is the story of Achan. You remember this story. Moses had gone up Mount Nebo and didn't come down. Aaron and Miriam had already died. And now the Jordan River was before them, but it was not Moses who would lead them across. It was Joshua And God gives Joshua his marching orders, and he says, destroy everything. Everything. Man, animal, treasures, everything is a sacrifice to me. And everyone did that except one man by the name of Achan. And he saw something that he wanted so badly that he kept it. And he didn't destroy it, and he dug a hole and he buried it. And because of that, they lost the next battle royally, even though it was an easy one to win. And Joshua throws himself before the Lord and and says, I I thought you were going to fight for us. And God says, you know, the the old translation says, there's sin in the camp. Somebody disobeyed my command. And in doing so, the nation suffered. And so they cast the lots, and it turns out to be Achan who kept all of those things. Well, he had, he had coveted those things. Not just that he wanted them, not just that he saw them and said, you know, I wish I had that, but this is meant for a sacrifice to the Lord, so be it. In Acts chapters 4 and 5, we read in the New Testament about Barnabas and his incredible gift and how everyone sang his praises, even named him Barnabas, son of encouragement. Because of his generous giving. And Ananias and Sapphira, they saw that. And in chapter 5, it's recorded, they really wanted people to think that way about them. And so they sold some land and they brought money to the apostles and elders. And they said, here, this is everything we earned off this. Aren't we something? (laughs) But it wasn't. It was a lie. And if they had only just come and shared whatever they wanted with the leaders of the church... uh, 50%, 20%, 5%, whatever it was, if they just brought it and said, look, we sold this property, we're giving this out of those earnings to the Lord, to, to the church, to let you do with what you will. They would have been praised just exactly the same way Barnabas was, but that's not what they did because they coveted that praise. They coveted people to think that way about them. And so they were willing to give up their integrity to attain it. They lied. And as you know, it did not go so well for them. Jesus says in Luke 12, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What a great statement for our nation, right? What a great statement for our communities, for our families. Life does not exist in an abundance of possessions. And if we think it does, then we're coveting. That's called greed. 
In James chapter 4, James says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You don't have those things that you ask for because you're asking for them with the wrong motive. You're not asking, God, give me this so that you can be glorified. You're asking, Lord, give me this so that I can be glorified, Ananias and Sapphira. Give me this so that I can have what I really, really want, Achan. And then when we don't get it, what happens? According to James in the first century church, it's no different than it is today. We fight about it. We squabble over it. Because we look around and we say, well, Lord, you gave that to them. How come they get it? And I don't. How come I have to suffer and they don't? How come you answered their prayers yes and mine no? This is what it means to covet. To want something so badly that we are willing to give up our values in order to receive it or to gain it or to be it. And if we don't get it, then we quarrel and fight. If we don't get it, we quarrel with each other. We're jealous of each other. We're envious of each other. And we're even angry at God because He doesn't answer our prayers the way we want Him to. That's what it means to covet, I think. We could say more, but let's go on. Secondly, what does it look like if we are keeping this commandment? That's examples of what it looks like to break it. How about, what does it look like to be content, to not covet? Well, first of all, I think we are grateful. We are grateful. That great passage in Colossians 3, also Ephesians 5 and some others, says that we are to sing with gratitude in our hearts to the Lord. If you're not singing... What does that say about your heart? <laughs> You're not grateful. That's what it says. You're not counting your blessings. You're thinking about those things that God has not provided for you instead of the things that he has. It's all about perspective. And gratitude is one of those where we recognize the way we are so very blessed. And when we recognize how blessed we are, even if we don't get everything that we want... Our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude and joy, and we sing. We sing. It's the same thing that Tucker led us off with in Psalm 118. We're singing these praises to God. We are giving God praise and thanks. As Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, we are rejoicing always. We are praying constantly, and we are giving thanks in everything. Even the things that didn't go our way, Bill, yes. Even those because we trust in our God. How do we know if we're being content? Number one, we are grateful. Number two, we are genuinely happy for others. That great verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And you've heard me say this before. The second part of that is much easier than the first one for most of us, I think. When someone goes through a tragedy or a loss or something, we're right there on the spot to bring them comfort and encouragement and help. But what about when someone is blessed? What about when someone has some great blessing, some great achievement? Something wonderful that they have attained or been given. Can we rejoice with them? We are genuinely happy for others, instead of wishing them harm or even plotting against them, <laughs> we rejoice for them and with them. Third, we give generously. As Wayne prayed during our contribution time, we give generously, thankfully, out of gratitude. Wise man in Proverbs says, All day long the wicked covet, but the righteous give and do not hold back. How do I know, Bill, that I'm not coveting? You give. You give. Rather than holding on to something so tightly so that maybe you'll be able to get what you really, really want. 
You're willing to share it. You give generously. Number four, we trust God. We trust God. We spoke recently about Jesus reminding us in Matthew 6 of how God takes care of the birds and the flowers. He'll take care of us too that he values so much more. And there's that great verse in Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do what? All things through Christ who gives me strength. You say, Bill, what does that have to do with being content? I'm glad you asked. Number four is we trust God. Number five is we are content. That's how we know that we're not coveting. We are content. In Philippians chapter 4, the very context that verse 13 is found in, verses 10 through 20, that whole passage, Paul is talking to the church at Philippi in modern-day Greece about the gifts that they had given him. They were probably his primary financial support for his mission work. And he thanked them over and over again, and he glorified God over and over again. And in that conversation in Philippians 4, he says, hey, look, I get it. We don't have any promises in this world. There are times when I didn't have enough to live on. I was in poverty. And there were times when I had an overabundance. And I have learned that I can be content in both. And in the midst of saying that, he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You see, Paul's contentment and his peace and even his joy were not dependent upon the things he had or the things he attained or the position he had. They were dependent upon his trust in God. And so as Wayne shared during our communion time today, he talked about purpose, and he talked about hope, and he talked about assurance. And Jesus gives us all three of those. He gives us a purpose to glorify him in however way he chooses. He's given us a hope in that mansion that's there that he's preparing for us. He's given us assurance that through his blood, we will get there. The question again today is, is that enough? Is that enough? Is the purpose that God has for you enough? Can you be content with that? His purpose for you might be a great big thing. And he does that sometimes. But for the overwhelming majority of us, that's not the case. It's the little things day in and day out. The impact that we might make on someone with an act of kindness or a word of encouragement that he has called us to, to that very person at that very moment to give them a little bit of the love of Christ. He's given us that purpose to share his word and love with others. Is that enough? Can we be content with that? Well, this is the conclusion of the series, and I hope and pray that it has challenged you to be reminded of the call to seek God's will and to trust in Him enough to faithfully obey His Word in all you say and in all you do. And I believe it's no accident that the Ten Commandments end with this one. Be content. Do not coveting. Do not covet. You see, an unhealthy, selfish desire coveting something is at the root of all sins. And that's a pretty big statement. What we're talking about today is at the root of all sins, and it goes back to Genesis 3. You remember Adam and Eve in the garden? God gave them one thing that was off limits. And he told them, in the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. And Satan comes along, and Adam and Eve are both looking at that fruit, and they want it. They want it. It's not enough that they had everything else that God had given them. This they wanted, and they wanted it so badly that they gave up everything else to have it. And that's how coveting ends up. That's how coveting ends up. Oh, we might get what we think we want, but the price we pay for it is to lose everything that we are. 
and everything that we've been promised. The answer to coveting is contentment. Genuinely, wholeheartedly trusting God. That I believe that I won't get everything I want, but I'm okay with that. Because my trust isn't in myself. My trust is in my God. I trust fully, completely in God. And so I do believe at the heart of everything I'll have what I need. And I genuinely and wholeheartedly trust God enough that I will obey Him. I will live the way He calls me to live. This is what it takes to follow the Ten Commandments today. To trust God completely. This morning, if we can help you do that, come as we stand. Sing our song together.
Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, it's good to have been here today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the elders and deacons and teachers in this congregation. We thank you for ministers and missionaries the world over as they do your will. We pray, Lord, that we, you will give us just what we need. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to remember who we are tomorrow. We pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to be baptized, that they will come before it's too late. These things we ask in your Father's name. In your Son's name, Jesus. Amen.